0: You are now entering
1: the Chopping Block. All right, everybody, welcome to the and Block podcast. I'm your host, Chopper, as always. And today I have Daniel from the band Bread for War. Dan, how you doing today, man? I'm doing better than I deserve. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain myself. So we just finished. I was talking to uh, to Wayne last week, and we just finished the Chains Unchained festival. And I know you're part of that. Your band goes uh, is uh, pretty much the co-headliner each night, or one of the nights. And you're one of the one of the founders of Chains Unchained. Uh, How did you go about getting with Wayne for that? Because he pretty much said it. It was your idea to do the festival.
0: Yeah, um Wayne and I have been friends for a long time just, you know, meeting through the music scene and uh, I actually met him at a disciple show years ago. And um Wayne had been going up to Kansas to uh I'm sorry, to KCF, to Kingdom Come Festival and he decided he was going to write a book full of devotionals. Right. Yeah. And and uh when he went up there, he he uh handed these books out and he was, you know, that was his idea was it just to be a book. And he, then one day I said, well, why don't we turn this into a festival? And, uh, he said, I was crazy and let's do it. <laughs> Four years later, here we are, you know, yeah, it, and then uh, we're already talking about year five already.
1: So right. yeah, it's cool. And I was telling him, it's uh, one of my favorite festivals to go to. Um, there's just something different about this festival. You know, it's, it's not the biggest festival in the world, But it's it's an amazing time. I've been twice, but both times they've been it's been it's been amazing. There's something there's like I said, there's something about this one um, that just makes it special for for I think a lot of the bands that, that perform in it.
0: I think one of the things that the key factor is, is that they know what they're doing is completely it's a ministry minded festival and they they know that the one thing that they're doing is coming to a festival that supports other ministries and you know every band is getting paid and and they all get taken care of at least as best we can but then everything that we raise above and beyond uh the cost of the bands um the cost of the production and the cost of the the initial t-shirts and things like that everything up and beyond that is 100 percent going out to other ministries right so
1: and i think that might be what it what it's about like why why at least this for for me and for um these guys that I work with, that's why they love doing it. And that's why they love it. Cause it's, it's helping a whole nother ministry out, you know, for the kingdom of God. Yeah. The,
0: the festival is a two day festival. um, But the ministry doesn't stop in those two days. The the ministry goes forward for another year or however long. Um, You know, one of the ministries that we were blessing this year was for to to get kids and, and women out of, out of sex, sex trafficking. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's something that needs to be addressed. It's something that's ongoing. And even today, you know, three or four days after the festival's over, it's still an issue. It's still a problem. And because of the attendance of the festival, the people that showed up and, and bought tickets and bought uh, merchandise, they're able to help this ministry that today is actually pulling people out of sex trafficking,
1: which is, you know, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. So let me, how is, what's the sex trafficking I don't want to say seen, but what's it like there? So I know here in like South Florida, it's, it's rampant. Like it, this is the big, one of the biggest hubs in the United States because we're so close to like international ports and the airport and everything.
0: Yeah. I can only imagine with where you're located, but um, I'm from Los Angeles and it's, it's rampant there. So obviously, you know, you get your big cities, your Chicago, Miami, um, you know, LA, New York, stuff like that. And that's what everybody thinks it is. And then, you start to get you start to meet with these people and realize that it's everywhere it's absolutely everywhere and since we're located right in the heart of the the country i44 is a corridor that runs from the east to the west or e- or west to east however you want to look at it and that's where a lot of the the girls are are being moved to you know to and from mexico kids that are being abducted are being moved through that corridor and it goes right through the heart of of the country right th- through springfield right yeah. and so yeah, it's it's all along. I mean, it's everywhere, but it's all along this corridor, especially. Right. You know, his-
1: That's crazy. I know. Um. Not, not manic drive. What's what's the name of that band that does the sex trafficking thing? Uh, I'll remember it later on. But they they're really big into the sex trafficking as well. They they played Life Fest this year, and they're actually playing the one this weekend too. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, their uh, their 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 ministry is all based off of sex trafficking. Tra- sex trafficking. Oh wow, I can't remember the name of the top of my head. They're a, they're a big band, I can't remember. I don't remember the name. Um, but hmm. anyway, um, yeah, that we we met them a while ago, and they start. I guess I saw them. I want to say two years ago at one of the festivals. Probably it's two thousand eighteen. And that's the first time that I heard them talking about the sex trafficking. So I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool that 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 they stepped up and they're starting to do this."
0: Yeah, like um, the festival, we've always focused on on certain ministries here and there, you know, whether it be with our you know our veterans or feeding yeah, yeah. people or taking care of the homeless or things like that. But sex trafficking—this was something that was laid on my heart just recently. So mm-hmm. this is all kind of brand new to me. Yeah, it's um, as far as being involved. Yeah.
1: And I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why God's hugging on me with the sex trafficking thing, but it's definitely been on my heart. But what's cool about you guys is you do not just that, but you you do a different ministry every year, right?
0: Yeah, we do. We, uh, we get involved with the ministries. We learn about the ministries and then we pay it forward to these ministries. So I'm heavily involved in um, addiction recovery, um, mm-hmm. being an ex-addict myself and, you know, Um, being delivered from 17 years of cocaine and and alcohol and things like that, hate groups and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm heavily involved in in that sort of thing, in that ministry. And then um, feeding the homeless is something that my wife and I've been doing for a a very long time. And we actually run a food pantry. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Yeah. So that's just something we just constantly do. And then now I'm dipping into the sex trafficking thing which is a little trickier because you you can't um you don't have a real relationship with the victim No, you just for protection you know you're you're involved with the, the ministry itself but you're not involved with the victim which you know i'm fine with but it's they're really secretive about that kind of stuff because there are people that are cartels and things like that that are after um these ministries that are pulling these kids out so it's kind of a dangerous situation there um when you feed the homeless or you feed the vets stuff like that um you get to meet them you get to know their story you get to go to their house and things like that that doesn't happen
1: yeah you got that one-on-one uh, conversation with them we used to do a lot of uh, homeless ministry here um at our old church but just to go back the name of the band was remedy drive oh okay yeah i know who they are okay yep, i did not know that they were involved in that that's awesome yeah yeah, yeah they are very cool um, and your brand, band, Bread for War, you guys have been around for, what, five years or so?
0: Yeah, five. We're going on six
1: years now, yep. Going on six years. So how did you start that? Is it, is it all original members?
0: It's all, it's all original members. Um, since the, the birth of, of Bread for War, we're actually a collective of two other bands that were, the doors were closing on two other bands. Um, the, the Rourke brothers are drummer and our guitar player we're in another band and then Jay and I were in a, in a separate band and, um, believe it or not, doors were closing on both minutes, uh, both bands at the same exact time. And they were looking for a vocalist and, and bass player and us the opposite. Uh-huh. And, um, uh, we just kind of, we knew them from playing shows with one another and they, they, they live about 150 miles from us. We so were like, you know, would you, we have one show on the books. Would you guys mind filling in? They said, yes, we played the show. Um, is about 400, 400 kids at a high school up in Kansas City and it just felt right. And I just looked over at Jay and I said these are the guys. So I kind of asked them and if they wanted to uh, be in a band together and, and do this and they said let us pray about it. And about 2 weeks later they came back and said absolutely.
1: That's awesome.
0: And Bread for War was born that day.
1: And who came up with the name Bread for War?
0: <clears throat> Our it was actually uh, we were all throwing names into a hat, and uh, "Bread for War" was the one that we all voted on at the last second. And it was actually Jay who came up with it, uh, our bass player.
1: I was curious. That, for some reason, I thought it would be new. I don't know why. Maybe because you're old. Yeah. You used to wear the the vest and all.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm all about warfare,
1: <laughs> but no, it was actually Jay,
0: the nicest guy in the band. <laughs> <laughs> Is he nicest? He's a nicest ni- looking. He's the nicest one. Well, I've never heard an ill word come out of that man's mouth ever. Cool. Ever. He's just a great guy.
1: Right. That's cool. I haven't really talked to anybody but you and the band, which I need to. I need to start talking to everybody else because I'm kinda I'm shy like that, which you wouldn't think I am, but I'm very shy when it comes to coming up to people and talking to him and introducing myself for the first time. I'm trying well to then, you out. and
0: our drummer would be a, a fabulous conversation because he's very, very shy. So you guys would just <laughs> basically be awkward standing staring at each other. <laughs>
1: so speaking of uh, you wearing, I know you've worn a battle vest in the past. And now you guys are wearing the jumpsuits. Do you have you always like just changed different outfits throughout the years, or is it you just pick something? Say I'm just going to wear this, and you guys are going to follow suit. All these things that are happening, like the little
0: head on the stick, and you know, that sort of all these things are just ideas I come up with. I'm a truck driver. So I have a lot of time to sit and think. Okay. And the 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 vest was something I just was like, man, you know, after I preached at a bar years ago and a guy threatened my life. Um, and I was like, okay, whatever. The second time it happened was um About a year ago, another guy had threatened my life and said that he was going to kill me. So I was like, "Okay, I'm going to get this fake vest and I'm going to call the guy out. And so I did. And he never showed up, of course, and things like that. So I just started wearing the vest. I'm like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. You know, this is spiritual warfare. This is the way it looks on the outside.
1: Yeah. So then, go
0: ahead. Oh, and then the jumpsuits, you know after 2020 and everything that we went through into 2021 i said you know we're going to get arrested one day for what we're doing you know it's that's biblical you know people are going to be arrested in the in the last days and things like that i said i might as well just put on a jumpsuit I won't be the first time i've worn a prison jumpsuit you know so <laughs> i had i had four of them made and i put you know prison uh combatant prisoner down the arms and then i got everybody's uh favorite scripture, and that's their inmate number, so if you look at everybody's chest, they have their favorite scripture, their inmate number.
1: Okay, <laughs> I, I saw the numbers, but I never like, never really paid attention. I had to fear they were all the same.
0: That was actually the, you're the first person I've ever told what it is, so it's kind that's of a, like one of the more secret things.
1: <laughs> there you go, now it's, out. Now it's so out. Let's go back to two people have threatened your life because of preaching, or?
0: Yeah, yeah, um, you know, we try we play whatever events um God, whatever doors God opens up, but we played mostly secular events for the, the kind of places we play. So we get to play with bands like War of Ages and for King and, you know, Gideon and all these things. But when we do, it's usually in a club or something, it's usually a secular event. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, the people don't want to hear about Jesus inside of the bar. You know, they want to hear, you know, sex drugs and rock and roll type stuff. And, you know, I'm there to do one thing, and that's to exalt our king. So, you know, when you do that, people, they tend to freak out and cuss cuss you out. We've been cussed out, spit at, uh, yelled at. We've had the entire room walk out of us in St. Louis. You know, as soon as I mentioned the name Jesus, the entire room left and left us with the sound guy, you know, and stuff like that. But it's we just never stopped. And then when the death threat came, I was like, you know what? To die is game. So I'm not gonna be scared of I'm not I'm definitely not scared of dying. So right. And of course, you know, most of the time it's people just spouting off.
1: For yeah, for sure. Like yeah. Uh, there's been times like where, you know, the people play even when you know I've been part of different shows at different bars and things, I've and they've been I've been mocked and people yell at home and you know it's, Things like that but never a death threat i don't think that's the first time i ever heard that but definitely uh the mocking has happened the booze have happened and the the, you know that's not my thing but good for you for talking about it and you know things like that but man a death threat that's pretty that's pretty metal
0: well yeah the first one i was like you know it's kind of concerned the second one i felt like i was validated um I grew up in a different culture than the rest of the guys in the band. Um, they grew up in church, and our bass players grew up on the mission field in Nigeria. Hmm. I grew up in East Los Angeles with a bunch of bikers, right. and you to I, talk about I was in, I'm sorry.
1: You care to talk about that?
0: I'm not at all. Not well, at all.
1: Let's go ahead. Yeah. Tell me your so test.
0: I, well, the quick version is I uh, just grew up out there, oldest of three kids, white, redheaded kid in a black neighborhood. Spent a lot of time running, getting beat up, chased, jumped, that sort of thing. Um, and as I grew up, I got taller, still skinny little kid. Um, out there, it's very racially segregated in, in the neighborhood I grew up in. And, uh, you know, everybody kind of stuck to their own and I didn't really have my own. And that's when I ran into a hate group of, a bunch of neo-Nazi skinheads and they kind of took me in and that became a part of my life for the better part of 12 years, man. And, you know, at 14 years old, you're able to do all kinds of pretty wild stuff that you can get away with as a kid. And then the moment you turn 18, that all changes. So these guys, you know, much older crowd fed my, fed my head full of, you know, promises and and, you know, empty basically lies. Mm-hmm. and the moment i turned 18 you know it was over with yeah you know, i was doing just it's really really silly stupid stuff and looking at a lot of time in prison things like that so were they
1: taking advantage of you being young to do like whatever like in- initially yeah
0: yeah initially yeah because you can you can get away with a lot of assaults and right you know hurting people and things like that when you're 15 16 17 years old but when you do it when you're 18 all of a sudden you're You're a big boy.
1: Yeah. And and I, you know,
0: yeah. And I, you know, I'm adult now and I'm dealing with major crimes with, you know, as an adult, all of a sudden the game changed and I, you know, I still thought I was a kid. Right. I'm just a young kid. So walked away from my hopes and dreams, dropped out of high school and did that, man. And there it was. But then I had my oldest son, Kalen, um, and moved to Sacramento. And when I got up to Sacramento, I kind of thought that, you know, it was all going to go away. Well, it didn't, I mean, it just followed me there. It's just as bad. So I'm eventually moved out of there and moved out out east out this way and same thing, same involvement, same everything. And that's when I realized it wasn't, it wasn't the environment I was in. It was me. Hmm. So I needed to change a heart. And so, yeah. Um, long story short, I was addicted to all kinds of stuff. Um, I wound up at a truck stop one night and uh, stayed there for 22 days on a very bad drunken drug bender and alcohol bender and things like that. My heart had stopped. Um, somebody found me. They lifelighted me. I spent a couple weeks in a coma at the hospital. And uh, when I came out of the coma, um, I met a man who told me about Jesus Christ in the hospital. And I, at that point, I absolutely had nothing to lose because I was already knocking on, on death's door. I, they had resuscitated me twice. My heart had stopped. I accepted Christ, um, checked into a one-year faith-based recovery program, and that was 10 years ago, man, and never looked back. That's I mean, complete man. change.
1: That's so cool. Like, yep. I'm not cool to your on change, thing, but the, the change like that is just amazing. So it when was radical. Very, yeah. yeah, very radical. And so while you're in that faith-based uh, program, Obviously, they've had like the Bible studies and everything like that. Did you have like a mentor that you still keep in touch with this day, or? Yeah, one of the associate
0: pastors. Um, it's funny because he had kind of the same the same story as, as myself, tattooed, bald headed guy, um, associate pastor. Just a fantastic man. His name's Jared Jackson. He's a still he's a senior pastor now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's one of my best friends. And, yeah, we stay in contact. We do things all the time, uh, speak to youth groups and go out and just do things. Yeah, we have a great time. So, yeah, that's that's my buddy. That's one of the guys who I just – I know. I just kind of looked at him. I seen, you know, his outside, um, the bald head, the tattoos. Right. But I can look into his eyes and I can see his heart. And the guy was genuine. And I wanted that. I wanted whatever he had. And uh, he was able to – to show me what that was and it was in the word of God. And I mean, like I said, no looking back ever since.
1: Hmm. So who are your musical influences for the, um, to play what you're playing now? Were you, were you in a, like, did you play in any bands or anything like that before you were a Christian or you started straight yeah. up as a ministry? No, I, uh,
0: I grew up, a, I've been a drummer since I was 14 years old. That's all I've ever done. I'm okay. I still drum every single day. So, um, I grew up drumming. Uh, played in like little garage bands here and there, things like that. Uh, never, never to the level I am now. Just you know, kind of messing around with, with the friends and the boys and stuff like that. Uh, growing up, I on the secular side is all I really listened to. I listened to a lot of Pantera, Hatebreed, Slayer, those sort of things. And then um, when I got into this band, it was actually a Craigslist ad, believe it or not, <laughs> that I answered. <laughs> yeah just kind of going through and they said hey looking for a vocalist and i being kind of drummer wanting to go down there and see if they actually needed a drummer i was just sliding the drummer's position The drummer was already there (laughs) i said well what do you need they said uh that they needed they needed a a vocalist and i said well let me try and i tried out and i was the fourth guy to try out and they kept me so this is before bread for war yeah, this was the band I was in right before Bread for War. We were together about a year. That's where I met Jay and everybody All
1: right. else. All right, That's funny. Yeah, that so. You were a drummer before you started playing uh, as a frontman. Just same thing with Brian. He was a drummer for years. He started playing drums at seven. and Awesome. Put down the drums and started becoming a, a, a vocalist.
0: You know, I find that vocalists or ex-drummers are, are really good vocalists just for the timing's sake and they tend to write to the drums, which I think is pretty cool. And I, I noticed that in Brian. He likes to write to the drums a little bit. A lot yeah. of blast beats. And stuff. Yeah, very cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he does a lot of the writing. So it's just funny. Like some of the great, great vocalists are, are drummers. Cause you're a great, yep. drummer, man. You know, I got to give it to you. You put on a great show. The whole band does. But, you know, obviously a lot of people look at the the singer as the main person in the band, which I don't know why that is, but hey, whatever. He's because he's the one talking, I guess. The one talking the most, I guess. So. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, you put on a great show, but all you, all you guys do. I met a first. I heard you guys for the first time. I've heard of you for a couple years, and then the first time I saw you was at um, KCF last year. And like, oh, I, awesome. like I said, I've been, I've been following you, and I've been you know I've listened to the music but it's completely different when you hear it live, you know? And yeah, it's completely different. I was, I was, I remember I was walking by somewhere cause you know, you know how it is. We're all running around all over the place until the show, until your set is done and you, then you can relax finally. So mm-hmm. I was running all over the place. And then I knew you were coming up soon. And I told Brian, I was like, I need to stop and listen to these guys cause I really want to hear them. And at, we, him and I were both on the side and I think the second song in I looked and I was like, yeah. These guys, first thing I said was, these guys are awesome. And then the second was like, the guy's a huge, must have been a huge Pantera fan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot, man. I get that a lot. I was, a, that was one of my favorite bands. And, you know, of course, they're on the secular side. But yeah, I was just, I try to see, you know, whatever Phil on Samuel was doing, I was like, okay, I can try to do that.
1: Yeah. I'm going to need influences from all over the place. You know, obviously we pull it. Yeah. But. I mean, your musical influences are your musical influences on what you're growing up listening to. So it's like Brian's influences are, you know, he's got some Christian um, artists that he looks up to, that he listens to, but he's also got like secular artists that he's like, that influences his style of singing. So that's just the way it goes. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you're not idolizing them and, you know, making that your world.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean... It's just like if you wanted to watch, you know, sports. Sports are, they're they're secular. I mean, they are by definition. They're they're secular. As long as you're not idolizing sports, like you're, you're watching sports and things like that. But yeah, but that's, yeah. that's the
1: problem with sports There's so many people idolize sports. You know, like unfortunately. Yeah, I I I, I did a message a couple of years ago at church, and it it was on, it was on Daniel, and. It was, talk, it was talking about how, like, when when they made the law saying you can't, you can't, you have to um, pray to the king and not to any other, not not to any god. And Daniel was up in his uh, room praising God, and they arrested him. Remember that, that verse? Yeah, yeah. And the whole thing, I, the beginning of the thing, was me basically like bringing in my my old like mask that I used to wear when 'cause I used to have season tickets to the dolphins and I would do my face paint up. So I didn't fake I didn't paint my face for the message because that would have been weird. So I took a mask. <laughs> I took a mask and painted it the way my face my face always was. And then I brought my jersey and I put it all on like to start the message and basically like saying like this was my idol, you know? And so many people idolize football, idolise baseball. And that's like their church is their Sunday afternoon. They won't do anything but watch football and it's, it's as i've gotten older and i've it's, to me it's ridiculous like i i i know you haven't watched football in a couple of years now so um and I, I i don't watch it i still watch it but i don't watch it like like i used to because i don't want to idolize these players and i don't want to idolize like this game because it's, that's that's too not that's not who we're supposed to idolize
0: yeah you're you're absolutely right I mean, absolutely right. Even, you know, I've been, I've been a Christian for for going on 10 years and I can feel myself even before all this, um, the way they're acting now with the NFL, Mm -hmm. um, even before that, I could feel myself sitting in church and, you know, uh, I got to get out of here. The game's at 12 type thing, you know, stuff like that. And that's when I was like, Whoa, what am I doing? I'm putting something before God.
1: Mm And I did the exact same thing.
0: Yeah. So I had to. You would I, have to be a huge NFL fan to be a to be a uh, Miami fan. <laughs> I'm not that bad anymore. Talk well, I, I'm a Raider fan, so I have no room to to talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, Raider fans are brutal. They're they're like almost as bad. They're at, the worst. They're oh, uh, uh, I think I think uh, Philadelphia fans are the worst. They're pretty bad. They are pretty <laughs> bad. Yeah, I, I've. I've, I, I've I, I won't say I've been involved in some, but there's, there's been a few fights around the Dolphins Stadium that, as I say, that were involving uh, fans of the Eagles and us.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been to many Eagles games, especially in Cowboy Stadium, and it was, it was brutal there. It was brutal. But the worst – I think the worst part – the worst time I ever had was when I walked into uh, Kansas City – um, dressed in all raider garb and we won that that game and walked out of there and it was it was all bad for me <laughs> it was all bad <laughs> those, are, those are the days right
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah those are the days yeah. so anyway um so now you guys have uh uh the new festival that you guys are getting ready to start working on wreck the halls yeah wreck the halls um when what is that during the winter or yeah it's right
0: it's usually um in december the beginning of december um uh, is what we have tried to do because the, the the price to get in the admission to get into the festival is a toy so yeah, it's a
1: toy drive to, yeah it's a, it's a giant toy drive yeah that's awesome that's another thing we used to do is toy, we we do uh toy drives for haiti every year um that they need it Yeah. Our church is a huge sponsor of a place called Haiti's hope, which um, we sponsor girls. We sponsor one of the pastors that live there and we go there. I've gone to Haiti and I I can't even tell you how many times I've gone a a bunch of times, but we, we try to go once a year to the orphanage where the girls are. And basically we just, uh, you know, we, we put together or something so they have a life outside of you know everything that's going on there and we don't just pay for them to like go to school and and stuff like that we actually like part of the the sponsorship is teaching them how to how to work and how to survive on their own once they're out of school i think that's a yeah. huge problem with haiti is people don't do that they just give the, the stuff away they just give them the clothes they give them whatever they need And they're just like, okay, well, I'm just going to wait for the next uh, missionary to come in and give me more stuff.
0: Yeah. That seems to be the issue, not only with the Haitians, but I mean, that's really all over the planet. And it's even here in America. um, We're, we're involved with lots of homeless camps and stuff like that around here. And and a lot of the times people will just show up, Mm. dump a whole trailer load of stuff off and then, okay, we'll see you next Sunday, same time, same, same everything. And you know, of course, people will be there with their hands out and they they want food, they want new shoes, they want stuff like that. And when I realized it, I said, you know what, we got to do more than this. This isn't, you know, we need to change lives. We need to get involved in. It. So instead of showing up and dumping a trailer load of stuff off, how about picking a person to get involved with in that person's life?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And when you did that, when one person did that for one you know, a person in need, all of a sudden you, you became friends with this person. This person became family. You You started looking at this person not as a person in need. You started looking at this person as a human being, you know, you, you right. had a relationship with them. And next thing you know, you know, these people are changing and they're five years down the road, they're married. They have a house, they have a car, they have a career, they have a one-year-old, you know, things like that. And it's like, man, five years ago, you were under a
1: bridge. Right. That's awesome. So, you know, uh, there are some who just want to be under the bridge, you know, that you can't. There see. are, but yeah, the ones that want to help, and if you sh- if you just give them a chance, man, they're, they're gonna they're gonna take that hand, and they're gonna do what they can to to get the help. You know, well, so- <clears throat> what
0: destroys me personally is most of them, a lot of them are drug addicted, and a lot of them are veterans, and a lot of them are both. Ah, you know, right. they. So when you get into seeing veterans living under a bridge after they just came back from fighting for your freedoms and stuff like that. It, it, it drives like right now, I'm tearing up. It drives me absolutely insane. Yeah. What, that, that, that we allow that to happen.
1: That's, that's exactly what I was about to say. What we do, what the government does or whoever is responsible for it, that we don't take care of our veterans after they put their lives through the ringer for us is absolutely insane. Like it, it's, it's mind blowing. I don't know why, why that happens why someone can't take care of somebody who obviously you're going to have some kind of issues coming in from when you're in a war you know so help them get through those issues don't just drop them off and be like hey good luck with your life thanks for helping yeah for four years you know
0: yeah and i've seen it too many times um and i've got close to it, guys who have wound up you know that they're they're like they they didn't find value in their life and i did and they decided that they're going to end their own lives and stuff like that and it so i wrote that song caveat but one thing that and that's what it's all about but one thing that bread for war has always been about since the very beginning is we take 10 percent of all of our gross sales um cd sales guarantees um t-shirts merchandise everything we take 10 percent of everything that we have and at the end of the year we find a veteran in need and we bless him and sometimes that's a very substantial amount of money and you know several thousands of dollars and we bless him, and we we hook them up with whatever they need maybe they need their rent paid for the year maybe they need uh, new clothes furniture uh, a car something like that all these people that pour into bread for war that buy our stuff they're actually paying it forward 10 percent, the rest of it goes in our fuel tank we keep i mean we don't make any money right but that's that's what we do and Veterans are, you know, I come from a military family. Um, my son's in the military. You know, my heart is with the military completely. Awesome. With everything that they've been through in the last, in my lifetime, over the last 20 years, since 2001, um, up until this point, they deserve everything that I have that I can help them and give them. And ultimately, if you give somebody a couple thousand dollars. They kind of look at you different. They go, why do you do this? And it's such a huge door to just say, because Jesus did it. And this is what Jesus is about. And it always goes to the cross. It's never about the band. It's never about the people. It's always about the cross. Yeah, that's so cool. I, I had
1: no idea that you did that. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, many, many bands that do that, you know?
0: Yeah, that's just, I mean, I wish we could do more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah, you just came out with a new album, didn't you? Uh, Chains Unchained, we released that new album, Awaken the Harbinger. Right. Getting some good traction from that? What are people saying about the album? I haven't heard it yet, so I can't. I'm going to be honest. I haven't heard it yet. I've heard what you've played live, but. Um,
0: I haven't heard anybody complain to me personally, but I doubt they're going to. (laughs) So, but I mean, everybody seems to like it. And, you know, I mean, in the end, we're just four guys that will really like heavy metal. Mm-hmm. We're four normal dudes. We're all married. Two of us have kids. We all have normal jobs. You know, we live normal lives. I live in the middle of the country. I, uh, you know, I'm a, I raise bees and I raise chickens and I have a garden and you know, that's, I'm not all about this rockstar life type stuff. That's not me, but, uh, I just like a play just like to play. I really like to play. I really like to make music and if it's good, it's good. And if it's not, you know, I just tell people, give it to somebody else.
1: <laughs> yeah. I got it. I went to grab the album when I was out there and I completely forgot to. So send me your address. I will send you a stack. All right. I'll do that. Um, yep. So you're, you're a beekeeper or you just, is that, like a, is that a hobby?
0: Uh, well it started off as a hobby. It started off cause I really like honey and, uh, <laughs> now all of a sudden i've got several hives and lots of bees
1: really that's <laughs> really that's an interesting interesting thing i i mean i've never met an actual person who who raises uh raises bees
0: well believe it or not me and uh,
1: uh mike rick from
0: monarchs to oblivion he's actually worse than i am i think that's really I mean. he's got uh, he's got 20 hives i, I think
1: oh, i know my yeah. my buddy's got a hive that's in his backyard it just gives. It, they grew it there, and he hasn't gotten rid of it. And he's like, "I'm just gonna keep them here. I like them." So. Oh, it's awesome. They don't bother
0: me. They're far enough away from the house. And um every once in a while, I gotta put on a suit and go out there and and rob all their honey. I'm like Winnie the Pooh. I'm just sitting out there. Eating
1: honey. <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> like, like I, I'm. I don't know anything about bees. I, I mean, other than they can sting you, and but like do you just take the honey and right then and there you can eat it or do you have to do anything, any kind of processing to it
0: man you can eat it right there off the comb you just okay. pull you can break a piece of the comb off and eat it right there and just i want to do it right in front of them because they get pretty mad but mm-hmm. yeah i pull the frames out and uh, extract the honey and then you walk back over to the house and take your suit off and get town. it's it's the best
1: that's pretty it's pretty interesting. It's- <laughs> I, don't know I don't know if i'll try it but i'm not that i i don't know maybe next year it's, if i almost uh, you come know up, to come uh, to your house and and try to extract some honey from you from uh, you're more than welcome to come here next time you make
0: it up to missouri man come on by I'll, i think yeah we'll have some honey and we'll have some some tomatoes it's, it's weird man because like i said i grew up in east los angeles to my 20s so it's all concrete and spray paint and stuff like that now i'm i live in the middle of nowhere.
1: Yeah, same thing here. I'm, that's all I know is is the city. You know, I've grown up in the city, not that not Fort Lauderdale. I mean, pretty much. For, I'm right down the road from Fort Lauderdale. I'm probably like I'm like 20 minutes. I used to work in Fort Lauderdale, so I'm like 20 minutes from Fort Lauderdale, and that's that's those are our streets. You know, now I know yeah. the gangs weren't as big here as they are in L.A., but you know, we had the same problems. And you know, we we you know we got the gangs here. We had I know back when I was in high school. We had like Zulu Nation was here, and you know, a few X Legion were here. So I'm, I think those are all like nationwide gang members. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they are. So you know, I, I kind of ran with with a couple gangsters, you know, but I never, I was, I never got into it into it because I I was worried that I I I didn't want to get killed, and I, I knew if I got too close, I would probably end up dying because I have a really bad attitude or had a really bad attitude, and you know, I knew Oh, man something stupid what way i look at it now is this god protecting me without me even realizing god was protecting me that's exactly it
0: Mm -hmm. that's exactly it
1: i've had pistols put to my head and stuff like that and i was
0: able to walk away from situations like that and then you know a lot of people that i knew um didn't make it and a lot of people you know i got a couple friends that are on death row and things like that here i am Mm -hmm. singing christian music i mean wow talk about mercy
1: yep god had a plan for you for sure and Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a plan for everybody it doesn't matter are we going to take up the the mantle of the plan that he wants for us
0: yeah i mean and he had to get my attention in that hospital bed but he got it exactly yeah
1: you i know. was talking to uh to um marco's wife when we we're driving home actually from uh, from you guys and I, I listen to a lot of podcasts when i'm driving and so uh, that way it keeps me awake a and a podcast came on. You know, I lost I listen to a lot of like true crime podcasts, and it was one that was based out of Broward County, which is the county that we're in. And it happened to be like a, a situation that I was involved in because I was friends with three of the people who were the who were the killers of this guy, and I had no idea they had a podcast on this. You know, it just oh, wow. it happened to come up next, and as soon as they mentioned, I'm like, oh, it's like this is the from the movie Bully she's like really i'm like yeah these are the i know these people like i i, I know like the people that killed this guy like, i was friends with them it was just kind of bizarre that it would it would come on and i'm like you know listening to a story of people who i knew so it's just
0: yeah i mean it's where you're that are
1: close, close you're where i am yeah. you know yeah concept it's like whoa. Well, like i could have easily like I was already not hanging out with them at that time, you know, by the time they did this, but I could have easily like been with that little crowd, you know, if I would have continued being friends with them. And who knows what my life would have been like if I didn't like just if God didn't direct me other ways without me even realizing God's directing, you know,
0: such a huge testimony, man. Cause there's a lot of people, especially kids, young, young guys, that these little alpha male 18, 19 year olds that are looking for validation in their life and, a testimony like you just you just gave me right there would completely speak to them and change their life. Yeah, it's pretty powerful.
1: Well, your testimony too. You know, like it, it took a lot for God to get to you, but like like you said, He got He got a hold of you, and you, know, you haven't turned back. But like, look where you are now. Look what you could what could have happened. He could have easily died in the hospital, but obviously, like you you had that protection, and you know, I I commend you for. For listening to, for to listening to this guy and realizing like, Hey, I have nothing to lose. And then just fully, fully engulfing your life into, into him. You know, it's, it was a complete surrender. Um,
0: it really hit me about three months later, um, in the middle of a prayer at four o'clock in the morning. Mm. And that's when God really showed up because up until that point I was, you know, three months into be, I'm a brand new Christian. And I just, you know, I said the prayer, I believed it. Everything just felt better. I was sober. Things were starting to clear up in my head, things like that. And then four o'clock in the morning during prayer, man, it just, man, God showed up. And years and years and years of suffocating um, something inside of me, suppressing it, crying, things like that. Man, I cried and cried and cried that morning forever. And it just kept coming out. I swear, I looked like I got maced by the cops or something. (laughs) I mean, I was just... Snot and and tears rolling, but man, uh, something happened that day,
1: yeah. It was like that, that was the same thing happened with me. Mine was a radical change, too. And mine was, I'm not gonna go into it because, um, this is about you, not me. Um, but yeah, it was like I was at a a camp for uh, with a bunch of guys, you know, as adult, you know, as an adult, mm -hmm. and I just we were doing worship and I didn't I have no idea what worship was, like, I, I was going to church but i wasn't listening you know and all of a sudden the holy spirit just came up crying me and i was like what is i was scared me i was like what's going on you know i had to talk to marco's dad about like what i just felt and why am i like why am i uncontrollably like crying all of a sudden and then he started explaining everything to me and led me to christ i was like at that point i was like there's this is it this is what i've been missing my entire life that i didn't realize i was missing yeah
0: you know yeah Mm-hmm. And the and the wild part is about that is most of the people that go to amongst the giants concerts, most of the people that go to Bradford concerts, most of the people that go to these concerts professing Christ are dying to have that encounter that you just explained. Yep. And, yep. I mean they're dying to have it. They don't they they don't even realize they're missing. They're professing Christ with their mouth, but they're denying him with the, their lifestyle. You know, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And so you know, when I heard Amongst the Giants on, on Saturday and I heard Marco just preaching, I was like, wow, I've never – you know, I haven't really said five words to the guy. Right. So I didn't know. And then all of a sudden he just opens up and I'm like, this dude, he's bringing the word of God right now. And people are they're, – they're they're just soaking it up. They need it. So it was incredible, man.
1: Should have been there Sunday. Was, the
0: Sunday was also amazing. I watched the live stream. I was in my well, kitchen. They had a live stream? Yep. I was in my kitchen listening to the whole thing and crying in my kitchen. It was, Sunday morning.
1: It was really I sure was too 'cause like I've just been so busy, you know, and just to be able to to be there as someone part of the congregation opposed to being like a leader of a church was just so so amazing. And I just yeah it was so good to, to listen to to Wayne and he really he really like spoke some words into me and then the worship and I was like this is I needed this. And I really need this. I didn't realize I needed it either. <laughs> <No. clears
0: throat>
1: we need it all the time, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do. Even all we, the time. Good, we need it. That's what's so good about God is he, you know, he, he knows we need it and he's just going to push you that when you need that extra sauce. <laughs> he's, he's doing it right now. I mean,
0: he's restored, he's restored family to me that I never knew I had, you know, I'm talking to one on the phone on this podcast right now. Hmm. that's down in florida i mean i got brothers everywhere this is incredible to me you know and i never for so long i had nobody right and now i have so many people that i can call in an instant hey man i need prayer Hey, i need this i need that
1: oh for sure it's pretty cool I, I gotta tell you you like it touched me when you sent me the when you sent me the message on uh sunday afternoon you know i mm-hmm. don't even remember i mean i'm sure you remember the message but you yeah yeah something on there real quick and like I told, I was like, man, this is awesome. It's like this, that, that made my day, you know, so I'll just let you know.
0: No, I, I typed it out three times to, <laughs> to get it across, you know, so I didn't go on with 20 paragraphs or anything. Right. But yeah, you're the, you're, you're one of two people that I sent a message to that day.
1: So. well, oh, no, yep. uh, it definitely like hit me. I was like, this is awesome. Like, thank you so much. You know, it's. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, you guys really impacted me um, with everything you guys do and continue to do, man. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm a huge
1: fan. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like there's going to be like oh, we talked about it last year a little bit. I feel like there's going to be a bread for war, uh, amongst the giants tour somewhere down the line.
0: I'm waiting. I'm waiting for it. Amazing. So I'm waiting. That would be awesome.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it'd be an amazing show. We just need. I need you to talk to the guys from Fit for a King. We'll just we'll just tear everything apart. <laughs> 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 aren't you friends with them?
0: Yeah, yeah, we're friends yeah. with them. They're they're moving on to big
1: things. They're no, they're like the big direct support, support and but... in, uh, in the industry right now.
0: Yeah, they're they're huge. Them and Wage War, we're we're friends with those guys, and they're both just exploding.
1: So are they doing anything now? Like wage War, because I know they haven't put anything out for a couple years. Um, last from everything that i've told i've uh, seen
0: is they're basically just uh, doing all the tours that they were supposed to be doing last year. Okay. They're jumping on all the big festivals for the summer, doing things like that. Awesome, but yeah, Fit for King, uh, yeah, we've known those guys since they were since they were just a little band coming through. Wow. You know what i mean? Yeah, and now I, they're doing I
1: started it. I've list, started listening to uh, both those bands really. I've been listening to Fifth for King longer than Wage of War. Um, but like I picked up their album and I was listening to it on the way back from, from uh life fest. No, from KCF. And I was like, dude, these guys, I text Brian I'm like, Wage well, War is really good. He's like, yeah, they are. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, no, if you please, ever get a, a chance to
0: watch them live, go for it. No, for sure. Fantastic. Oh, band.
1: For King. They came down here. Both of them. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I got to see them.
0: But, uh, yeah. They're incredible. Well,
1: let's go ahead and wrap this up. I, again, I appreciate you coming on. Um, Man, it's been a blessing to keep up with you. Um, I value your friendship and I just, I I really wanted to have people come on here and, you know, find out who you were and who bread for war was and all you do as a ministry because your, your music is not just let's get out there and get famous. You're is you're straight up a ministry.
0: Yeah. We're, uh, I want to leave an impact on the world. I really want to leave a dent. Um, not for, not for Dan Street or anybody else, not for, even for Bread for War. I want to leave again for Jesus Christ. I want people to always look, I will never, ever announce the band um, or anything like that from the stage because I don't want people to see us. I want them to see Christ in us. So that's our, that's my focus. It's all of our focus collectively. The, mo- the moment we become performers is the moment we quit. And that's what we've always talked about. We love being tight. We love playing good music. But the moment that we're looked at as performers, I, I will quit the band that day. Hmm. I want it to be known as a minister for Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah. Sure that's what you are.
0: Yep. That's it.
1: So how can people find the music? Um,
0: the best way to do it, you can do it on all your streaming platforms, of course, but if you want it for free, which I highly advise you do uh, bread you and go on there. We take donations if you feel like it, but you can actually just download it all off the website and, God always takes care of us. So we've always been fine with that and it's always worked out in our favor. So yeah, breadforwar.com, Facebook, of course, um, all those sort of things.
1: All right. Thank you very much, Dan. I appreciate you coming on. You have a blessed day.
0: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. God bless you.
1: All right. Have a good one. All right. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the chopping block podcast. I want to thank Dan Streetly for coming on from bread for war. If you guys have any questions for any of these bands, hit me up at thechoppinblockpc at gmail.com. You can follow me at thechoppinblockpc on Instagram and on Facebook at thechoppinblock. That's choppin, not chopping. Have a great day. God bless. <laughs>